Hello, and welcome back, or welcome to Harry Potter Books, read to you. So, uh, I'm back on to Harry Potter and the Philosopher's or Sorcerer's Stone, depends where you live. And, um, yeah, quick disclaimer, this is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's slash Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling. That's right, J.K. Rowling, which means I do not own any of the characters, ideas, themes, or names used in this story, and I would advise you to go check J.K. Rowling out and maybe even purchase one of the books. Uh, with that as well, I do not own any of the art used, all credit goes to them, and check out Harry Potter Podfix. If you want to have a shout out, click, um... Uh, go into the Spotify app, click the description on any episode, add a question, and I will shout you out. You can also answer polls in the que- in in the descriptions of episodes on the Spotify app. With all that through and ready, let's get on to Harry Potter Chapter 7, The Sorting Hat. The door swung open at once. A tall, black-haired witch in emerald green... Emerald's green robes stood there. She had a very stern face, and Harry's first thought that this was not someone to cross. Sorry. Okay. The first years, Professor McGonagall, said Hagrid. Thank you, Hagrid. I will take them from here. She pulled the door wide. The entrance hall was so big that you could have fit the whole Dursley's house into it. The stone walls were lit with flaming torches like the ones at Gringotts. The ceiling was too high to make out, and a magnificent marble staircase was facing facing them led to the upper floors. They followed Professor McGonagall across the flagstone floor, and Harry could hear the drone of a hundred voices from the doorway down the right. The rest of the school must already be here. But Professor McGonagall showed the first years into a small, empty chamber off the hall. They crowded in, standing rather nervously close together. Then they us- ra- standing rather uh, standing rather closer together than they would usually have, peering down, ner- uh, per- peering about nervously. Welcome to Hogwarts," said Professor McGonagall. "The start of term banquet will begin shortly." But before you take your seats in the Great Hall, it isn't, you will be sorted into your houses. The sorting ceremony is very important because while you are here, your house will become something like your family within Hogwarts. You will have classes with the rest of your house, sleep in your house dormitory, and spend free time in your house common room. The four houses are called Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. Each of the four houses... I mean, sorry, each house has its own noble history, and each has produced outstanding witches and wizards. While you are at Hogwarts, your triumphs will earn you your house points. Your triumphs will earn you house points, and... While any rule-breaking will lose you. Will will lose house points. At the end of the year, the house with the most points is awarded the house cup. A great honor. I hope each one of you will be a credit to whichever house becomes yours. The sorting ceremony will take place in a few minutes in front of the rest of the school. I suggest you all smarten yourselves up as much as you can while you're waiting. Her eyes lingered for a moment on Neville's cloak, which was fastened under his left ear, and Ron's smudged nose. Harry nervously tried to flatten his hair. 
I shall return when we are ready for you, said Professor McGonagall. Please look. Please wait quietly. She left the chamber and Harry swallowed. How do they sort us into houses? He asked Ron. Some sort of some sort of test, I think. Sorry, that's too deep. Some sort of test, I think. Fred says it hurts a lot, but I think he's joking. Harry's heart gave a horrible jolt. A test? In front of the whole school? But yet, he didn't know any magic yet. What on earth would he have to do? He hadn't expected something like this the moment they arrived. He looked around anxiously and saw that everyone else looked terrified. No one was talking much about... No one else was talking much, except for Hermione Granger, who was whispering very fast about the spe- all the spells she had learned and wondering which one she'd need. Harry tried hard not to listen to her. To her, he'd never been more nervous. Not ever. Not even when he'd had to take a school report home to the Dursleys saying that he'd somehow turned the teacher's wig blue. He kept his eyes fixed to the door. Any second now, Professor McGonagall would come back and lead him to his doom. Then something happened that made him jump about a foot into the air. Several people behind him screamed. What the? He he gasped. And so did other people around him. (gasps) Gasp. About 20 ghosts had just streamed through the black wall. Pearly white and slightly transparent, they glided across the room talking to one another and hardly glancing at the first years. They seemed to be arguing. What looked like a fat little monk was saying, Forgive and forget, I say, we ought to let him have a second chance. My dear friar, haven't we given Peas all the chances he deserves? He gives us a bad name here, you know, and he's not really even a ghost. I say, what are you all doing here? A ghost wearing rough, a rough and tights had suddenly noticed the first years. Nobody answered. New students, said the fat friar, smiling about them. About to be sorted, I suppose. A few people nodded mutely. Hope to see you in Hufflepuff, my old house, you know. Move along, move along now, said a sharp voice. The sorting ceremony's about to start. Professor McGonagall had returned. One by one, the ghosts floated away through the opposite wall. Now, form a line, Professor McGonagall told the first years, and follow me. Feeling oddly as though his legs had turned to lead, Harry got into the line behind a boy with sandy hair, with Ron behind him, and they walked out into the chamber, back across the hall, and through a pair of double doors into the great hall. Harry had never imagined such a strange and splendid place. It was lit by thousands and thousands of candles that were floating in midair over four long tables where the rest of the students were sitting. These tables were laid with glittering golden plates and goblets. At the top of the hall was another long table where the teachers were sitting. Professor McGonagall led the first years up here so that they came to a halt in a line facing the other students with the teachers behind them. The hundreds of faces staring at them looked like pale lanterns in the flickering candlelight, dotted here and there amongst the students. The ghosts shone with a misty silver. Mainly to avoid all the staring eyes, Harry looked upward and saw a velvety black ceiling dotted with stars. He heard Hermione whisper, It's bewitched to look like the sky outside. I I read about it in Hogwarts, a history. It was hard to believe that there was a ceiling there at all, and the great and the great hall didn't simply just open into the heavens. Harry quickly looked down again as Professor McGonagall silently placed a four-legged stool in front of the first years. 
On top of the stool, she put a pointed wizard's hat. This hat was patched and frayed and extremely dirty. All Petunia wouldn't have let it in the house. Maybe they had to try and get a rabbit out of it, Harry thought wildly. That seemed the sort of thing. Noticing that everyone in the hall was now staring at the hat, he stared at it too. For a few seconds, there was complete silence. Then the hat twitched. A rip near the brim opened wide like a mouth. And the hat began to sing. One second, sorry, I have to pause my music. I said pause. Oh, I'm just going to recite this. Oh, you may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your bowlers black, your top hat sleek and tall. For I'm the Hogwarts sorting hat, and I can cap them all. There's nothing hidden in your head the sorting hat can't see. So try me on and I will tell you what you ought to be. You might belong in Gryffindor, who have... Where dwell the brave at heart, their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. You might belong in Hufflepuff, where they are just and where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet in wise old Ravenclaw, if you are a ready mind, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin, you'll make your real friends. Those cunning folk use any means to achieve their ends. So put me on, don't be afraid, and don't get in a flap. You're safe in hands, though I ha- you're in safe hands, though I have none, for I'm a thinking cat. The whole hat uh, sorry, the whole hall burst into applause as the hat finished its song. Frey Hall. Anyway my sister the whole hat burst in i said it wrong the second time okay the whole hall burst into applause as the hat finished its song it bowed to each of the four tables and then became quite still again so we've just got to try on the hat ron whispered to harry i'll kill fred he was going on about wrestling a troll harry smiled weakly yes trying on the hat was a lot better than having to do a spell but he did wish they could have tried it on without everyone watching. The hat seemed to be asking rather a lot. Harry didn't feel brave or quick-witted or, or any of it at the moment. If only the hat had mentioned a house for people who felt a bit queasy, that would have, that would have been the one for him. Professor McGonagall now stepped forward, holding a long roll of parchment. When I call your name, you will put on the hat and sit on the stool and be sorted, she said. Abbott, Hannah. A pink-faced girl with blonde pigtails stumbled out of the line, put on the hat, which fell right down over her eyes, and sat down. A moment's pause. Hufflepuff, shouted the hat. The table on the right cheered and clapped as Hannah went to sit down at the Hufflepuff table. Harry saw the ghost of Fat Friar waving merrily at her. Bones, Susan. Hufflepuff, shouted the hat again, and Susan scuttled off to sit next to Hannah. Boot, Terry, Ravenclaw. The table second from the left clapped this time. Several Ravenclaws stood up to shake hands with Terry as he joined them. Rucklehurst, Mandy went to Ravenclaw too, but Brown Lavender became the first new Gryffindor, and the table on the far left exploded with cheers. Harry could see Ron's twin's brother's cat calling.
Bulstrode? Oh, sorry. Bulstrode Millicent then became a Slytherin. Perhaps it was Harry's imagination. After all, he'd heard a lot about Slytherin, but he thought they looked like an unpleasant lot. He was definitely starting to feel sick now. He remembered being picked for teams during gym at his old school. He remembered he, is al he was always the last to be chosen, not because he was no good, but because no one wanted Dudley to think they liked him. Finch Fletchley Justin. Hufflepuff. Sometimes Harry noticed the hat shouted at the house out at once, but others it took a little while to decide. Finnegan Seamus, the sandy-haired boy next to Harry in the line, sat on the stool for almost a whole minute before the hat declared him a Gryffindor. Granger Hermione. Hermione almost ran to the stool and jammed the hat eagerly on her head. Gryffindor, shouted the hat. Ron groaned. A horrible thought struck Harry, as horrible thoughts always do when you're very nervous. What if he wasn't chosen at all? What if he just sat there with the hat over his eyes for ages until Professor McGonagall jerked it off his head and said there had obviously been a mistake, then that he'd better get back on the train? Neville Longbottom, the boy who kept losing his toad, was called and fell over on his way to the stool. Was called, he fell over on his way to the stool. The hat took a long time to decide with Neville. When it finally shouted, Gryffindor! Neville ran off still wearing it and had to jog back amid gales of laughter to give it to, to MacDougall Morag. Malfoy swaggered forward when his name was called and got his wish at once. The hat had barely touched his head when it screamed, Slytherin! Malfoy went to join his friends, Crab and Goyle, looking very pleased with himself. There weren't very many people left now. Moon and Knot and Parkinson, then a pair of twin girls, Palsy and Palsy, then Perks, Sallyan, then at last, Potter, Harry. As Harry stepped forward, the whispers suddenly broke out like little hissing fires all over the hall. Potter, did she say? The great Harry Potter. Are you sure? Is he really here? The last thing Harry saw before the hat drooped over his eyes was a, ha a hall full of people craning to get a good look at him. The next second, he was looking at the black inside of the hat. He waited. Hmm, said a small voice in his ear. Difficult. Very difficult. Plenty of courage, I see. Not a bad mind either. There's talent. And, ah, my goodness, yes. A nice thirst to prove yourself. Now that's interesting. So where shall I put you? Harry gripped the edges of, of the stool and thought, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. Not Slytherin, eh? said the small voice. Are you sure? You could be great, you know, and it's all here in your head. And Slytherin will help you on your way to greatness, no doubt about that. No? Well, if you're sure, better be Gryffindor! Harry heard the hat shout the last word to the whole hall. He took off the hat and walked shakily towards the Gryffindor table. He was so relieved to, be, to have been chosen and not put in Slytherin that he hardly noticed that he was getting the loudest cheer yet. Percy the Prefect got up and shook his hand vigorously, while the Weasley twins yelled, We got Potter! We got Potter! More like, We got Potter! We got Potter! But we're not going to talk about that. Anyway, Harry sat down opposite to the ghost in the rough he'd seen earlier. The ghost patted his hair. 
The ghost patted his arm, giving Harry the sudden, horrible sensation that he'd just plunged into a bucket of ice-cold water. He could see the high table properly now, and at the end nearest to him sat Hagrid, who caught his eye and gave him a thumbs up. Harry grinned back, and there, in the center of the high table, was a large gold ch- in a large gold chair sat Albus Dumbledore. Harry recognized him at once from the card he had gotten out of the chocolate frog on the train. Dumbledore's silver hair was the only thing in the whole hall that shone as brightly as the ghosts. Uh, Harry spotted Professor Quirrell, too, a, young- a nervous young man from the Leaky Cauldron. He was looking very particular in a large purple turban. And now there were only three people left to be sorted. Thomas Dean, a black boy even taller than Ron, joined Harry at the Gryffindor table. Turpin, Lisa, became a Ravenclaw, and then it was Ron's turn. He was pale green by now. Harry crossed his fingers under under the table, and a second later, the house... The hat had shouted, Gryffindor! Harry clapped loudly with the, re- with the rest as Ron collapsed into the chair next to him. Well done, Ron. Excellent, said Percy Weasley pompously across Harry. Said Percy Weasley. Sorry. Pompously across Harry was as Zambini Blaze was made a Slytherin. Professor McGonagall rolled up her scroll and took the sorting hat away. Harry looked down at his empty gold plate. He had only now just realized how hungry he was. The pumpkin pasty seemed ages ago. Albus Dumbledore had gotten to his feet. He was beaming at the students, his arms open wide, as if nothing could have pleased him more than to see them all there. Welcome, he had said. Welcome to a new year at Hogwarts. Before our banquet, I would like to say a few words. And here they are. Nitwit, blugger, uh, blubber, oddment, tweak. Thank you. He sat back down. Everyone clapped and cheered, and Harry didn't know whether to laugh or not. Is, is he a bit mad? He asked Percy uncertainly. Mad, said Percy airily. He's a genius. Best wizard in the world. But... He is a bit mad, yes. Potatoes, Harry. Harry's mouth fell open. The dishes in front of them were now piled with food. He had never seen so many things that he liked to eat on one table. Roast beef and roast chicken, pork chops and lamb chops, sausage, bacon and steak, boiled potatoes, roast potatoes, fries, Yorkshire pudding, peas, carrots, gravy, ketchup, and for some strange reason, peppermint humbugs. The Dursleys had never exactly starved Harry, but he'd never been allowed to eat as much as he liked. Dudley had always taken anything that Harry really wanted, even if it made him sick. Harry piled his plate with a bit of everything except the peppermints and began to eat. It was all delicious. That that does look good, said the ghost in the rough sadly, watching Harry cut up his steak. Can't you? I haven't eaten in nearly four hundred years, said the ghost. I don't need to, of course, but one does miss it. I don't think I've introduced myself. Sir Nicholas de Mimsey Porpington at your service. Resident ghost of the Gryffindor Tower. I know who you are, said Ron suddenly. My brother told me about you. You're nearly Headless Nick. I would prefer if you called me Sir Nicholas de Mimsey. The ghost began stiffly, but, this, but sandy-haired Seamus Finnegan interrupted. 
Nearly, nearly headless? How can you be nearly headless? Sir Nicholas looked extremely miffed, as if their little chat wasn't going like the way he, the way he, at all, at all the way he wanted. Like this, he said irritably. He seized his left ear and pulled. His whole head swung off his neck and fell onto his shoulder, as if it was on a hinge. Someone had obviously tried to behead him, but not done it properly. Looking pleased at the stunned look on their faces, nearly headless Nick flipped his head back onto his neck, coughed, and said, So, new Gryffindors, I hope you're going to help us with the win the house points for the championship this year. Gryffindors have never gone so long without winning. The Slytherins have gotten a, the cup every, six years in a row, the bloody barons coming, becoming almost unbearable. He's the Slytherin ghost. Harry looked over at the Slytherin table and saw a horrible ghost sitting there with blank staring eyes, a gaunt face, and robes stained with silver blood. He was sitting right next to Malfoy, who, Harry was pleased to see, didn't look too pleased with the seating arrangements. How did he get covered in blood? asked Seamus with great interest. I've never asked, said nearly headless Nick delicately. When everyone had eaten as much as they could, the remains of the food faded from the plates, leaving them sparkling clean as before. A moment later, the desserts appeared. Blocks of ice cream in every flavor you could think of. Apple pies, treacle tarts, chocolate eclairs, and jam donuts. Trifle, strawberry, je strawberries, jello, rice pudding. As Harry helped himself to a trickle tart, the talk turned to their families. I'm half and half, said Seamus. Me dad's a muggle. Mom didn't tell him he, she, she was a witch till after they were married. Bit of a nasty shock for him. The others laughed. What, 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 what about you, Neville? Said Ron. Well, my gran brought me up and she's a witch, said Neville. But the family thought I was a muggle for ages. My great aunt Algie kept trying to catch me off my guard and force some magic out of me. He pushed me off the end of my of the Blackpool Pier once I nearly drowned. But oh But nothing happened until I was eight. Great uncle Algie came around for dinner and he was hanging me out of an upstairs window by the ankles when my great uncle Enid offered him a meringue and he accidentally let me go. But I bounced all the way down to the garden and on into the road. They were really pleased. Gran was crying, she was so happy. And you should have seen their faces when I got in there. They thought you, I might not be magic enough to come, you see. Great Uncle Algie was so pleased, he bought me my toad. On Harry's other side, Percy Weasley and Hermione were having talk we're talking about lessons. I do hope they start right away. There's so much to learn. I'm particularly interested in transfiguration, you know, turning something into something else. But of course, it's supposed to be very different, difficult. You'll be starting very small, just matches into needles and that sort of thing. Harry, who was starting to feel warm and sleepy, looked up at the high table again. Hagrid, who was drinking deeply, hold up, I need to check how much time Hagrid was drinking deeply from his goblet, Professor McGonagall was talking to Professor Dumbledore, Professor Quirrell in his absurd turban was talking to a teacher with greasy black hair, a hooked nose, and sallow skin. It happened very suddenly. The hooked nose teacher looked past Quirrell's turban straight into Harry's eyes, and a sharp, hot pain shot across the scar on Harry's forehead. Ouch! Harry. Harry clapped a hand to his head. 
What is it? said Percy. Nothing. The pain had gone as quickly as it it had come. Harder to shake off was the feeling that Harry had gotten it all from the teacher's look. A feeling that Harry didn't like at all. Who's that teacher talking to Professor Quirrell? He asked Percy. Oh, that's... Oh, you know Quirrell already, do you? No wonder he's looking so nervous. That's Professor Snape. He teaches potions, but he doesn't want to. Everyone knows he's after Quirrell's job. Knows an awful lot about the dark arts, Snape. Harry watched Snape for a while, but Snape didn't look at him again. At last, the desserts too disappeared, and Professor Dumbledore got to his feet again. The hall fell silent. Ahem, just a few more words that now that we have all fed and watered. I have a few start of term notices to give you. First year first year should note that the forest on on the grounds is forbidden to all pupils. And a few of our older students would do well to remember that as well. Dumbledore's twinkling eyes flashed in the direction of the Weasley twins. I have also been asked by Mr. Filch, our caretaker, to remind you all that no magic should be used between classes and the corridors. In the corridors. Quidditch trials will be held in the second week of term. Anyone interested in playing for their house team should contact Miss Madame Hooch. And finally, I must tell you, this year, the third year... The third floor corridor on the right-hand side is out of bounds to everyone who does not wish to die a very painful death. Harry laughed, but he was one of the few who did. He's not serious. He's not serious, he muttered to Percy. Must be, said Percy, frowning at Dumbledore. It's odd, because he usually gives us reasons why we're not allowed to go somewhere. The forest is full of dangerous beasts, everyone knows that. I do think he might have told us prefects at least and now before we go to bed let us sing the school song cried dumbledore harry noticed that the other teacher's smiles had become rather fixed dumbledore gave his wand a little flick as if he was trying to get a fly off the end and a long golden ribbon flew out of it which rose high above the tables and twisted itself snake-like into words Everyone, everyone pick their favorite tune, said Dumbledore, and off we go. And the whole school bellowed. Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy Warty Hogwarts, teach us something, please. Whether we be old and bald or young with scabby knees, our heads could do with filling with some interesting stuff. For now they're bare and full of air, dead flies and bits of fluff. So teach us things worth knowing, bring us back what we've forgot, just do our best and we'll, we'll do the rest, and learn till our brains all rot. Everyone finished the song at different times. At last, only the Weasley twins were left singing along in a very slow funeral march. Dumbledore conducted the last few lines with his wand, and when they had finished, uh, he was the one. He was one of those who clapped loudest. Ah, music! He said, wiping his eyes. A magic beyond all we do here. And now bedtime. Off you trot. Um, the Gryffindor first years followed Percy through the chattering crowds of. Of, out of the great hall and up the marble staircase 
Harry's legs were like lead again, but only because he was so tired and full of food. He was too sleepy even to be surprised that the people in the portraits along the corridors whispered and pointed as they passed, or that twice Percy led them through doorways hidden behind sliding panels and hanging tapestries. They climbed more staircases, yawning and dragging their feet, and Harry was just wondering how much farther they had to go when they came to a sudden halt. A bundle of walking sticks was floating midair above them, and Percy took a step towards them. Shh. And Percy took a step towards. Where am I? Percy. Where did I go? And Percy. And Percy took a step towards them as they started throwing themselves at him. Peeves, Percy whispered to the first years. A polygast. He raised his voice. Peeves, show yourself. A loud, rude sound, like the air being let out of a balloon, answered. Do you want me to go get the bloody baron? There was a pop, then a little man with a, then with wicked, uh, dark eyes and a wide mouth appeared, floating cross-legged in the air, clutching the walking sticks. Woo! he said with an evil, an evil cackle. Ickle firsties, what fun! He swooped suddenly at them, and they all ducked. Go away, Peeves, or the Baron will hear about this, and I mean it, barked Percy. Peeves stuck out his tongue and vanished, dropping the walking sticks on Neville's head. They heard him zooming away, rattling coats of armor as he passed. You're going to watch out. mm, You'll want to watch out for Peeves, said Percy, as they set off again. The bloody Baron's the only one who can control him. He won't even listen to us prefects. Here we are. Hold up. Okay, I need to pause for like a quick second and I'll be back. And I'm back, so let's get right back where we are. At the very end of the corridor hung a portrait of a very fat woman in a pink silk dress. Password, she said. Capacut Draconis, said Percy, and the portrait swung forward to reveal a round hole in the wall. They all scrambled through it. Neville needed a leg up, and found themselves in the Gryffindor common room, a cozy, round room full of squashy armchairs. Percy directed the girls through one door to their dormitory and the boys through another. At the top of the spiral staircase, they were obvious they were obviously in one of the towers. They found their beds at last, five four posters hung with deep red velvet curtains. Their trunks had already been brought up. Too tired to talk much, they pulled on their pajamas and fell into bed. Great food, isn't it? Ron muttered to Harry through the hangings. Get off, scabbers! He's chewing my sheets! Harry was almost going to ask Ron if he'd had any of the treckle tarts, but he fell asleep almost at once. Perhaps Harry had eaten a bit too much, because he had a very strange dream. He was wearing Professor Quirrell's turban, which kept talking to him, telling him he must transfer to Slytherin at once, because it was his destiny. Harry told the turban he didn't want to be in Slytherin. It got heavier and heavier, and he tried to pull it off, but it tightened painfully. And then there was Malfoy, laughing at him as he struggled with it. And then Malfoy turned into the hook-nosed teacher, Snape, whose laugh became high and cold. Then there was a burst of green light, and Harry woke, sweating and shaking. He rolled over and fell asleep again, and when he woke the next day, he didn't remember the dream at all. That is it for this chapter. Um, yeah, hope you enjoyed. Have a great morning, afternoon, evening, or night. And that is it. Bye.